talking to a, a friend of mine at, um, at one of the offsites, a team member friend of mine. And she was like, I tell everybody about Thomasville, even if I don't think they want to work here. I want everybody to know because the really sad fact of the matter, and especially with this generation, my generation of millennials, is that majority of people don't like where they work. And that breaks my heart. I hate, I hate that because I don't know what that feels like. Welcome to the Restoration Playbook Podcast by KnowHow. I'm Paul Silman, and the goal of this podcast is to give you an insight into how restoration industry's most innovative companies are building a world-class workforce one step at a time. We interview the biggest name in restoration and explore in depth how they're building team culture, developing their employees, and strengthening loyalty, all while increasing their revenue. For today's inaugural episode, we're chatting with Andy Armand and Alexis Knight from Thomasville Restoration. Thomasville is in a league of its own when it comes to killer, eye-catching branding, and unsurprisingly, their employee loyalty has skyrocketed at the same time. You can't attend an industry conference without knowing exactly who's working for Thomasville, and anyone who lives in the region with a Thomasville van will tell you the same thing about their fleet. I sat down with Alexis and Andy to dive into why they decided to invest heavily into brands when it's hard to prove the ROI and what impact they've seen on the employee morale and loyalty. They also walked me through a clear, proven process for determining company values your team can rally around and helping get buy-in at the entry level. If you're looking to increase employee loyalty while building an iconic brand, this is a podcast episode you don't want to miss. We'll kick off my interview with Andy and Alexis from Thomasville Restoration. But first, I'd like to take 30 seconds to tell you about KnowHow. KnowHow is a software tool for growing restoration companies who want to equip their staff with the information they need to succeed in their role. From tight, structured new employee onboarding to step-by-step -step guidance on how to use equipment out in the field, KnowHow ensures your workers are doing things the right way every time. Plus, with over 600 restoration industry templates on everything on how to use an injector dry to which Xactimate line item you should enter, you don't need to start from scratch to begin equipping your team. In fact, for listeners of this podcast, I created a comprehensive day one water mitigation checklist that anyone can use for free even if you're not a know-how customer. Just head to tryknowhow.com slash podcast number one to view it, print it, or even send it to your team. We'll also throw a link in the show notes below. Welcome, Alexis and Andy. So we'll go ahead and jump right in. Um, how would you guys unpack the Thomasville restoration story in a few minutes to a newcomer to the industry? So Thomasville Restoration started actually as Thomasville Homes. We were a new home developer and house flipper prior to right around when the recession hit. Uh, right around when the recession hit, we needed to find something that we could do that would protect our team from being affected by the, the market and the industry. Uh, and the thing is, is that, you know, restoration is almost, you know, nothing's recession proof, but almost recession proof. So we started to get into the restoration industry and Right around 2019, 2018, right, is right around when Andy started. Um, and we were a smaller company, around 30 teammates at the time. And but when Andy started from 2019-ish, um, up until now, we've more than tripled the size of our company, including our fleet and our team members, as well as our bottom line. So we have been very lucky and very 
blessed to have the opportunity to grow as quickly as we have. And we are just strapped in to the rocket ship that is Thomasville. And we are just running as fast as we can to help as many families put their homes and lives back together as we can while making sure that our team loves where they work. So that was, that was shorter than a couple of minutes. <laughs> no, that's perfect. And, you know, one thing you just hit on right there was making your team, you know, love where they work. So one thing we've seen is, you know, what led you guys to make these significant investments into like your brand, your visual identity? You know, I see on LinkedIn all the time. I can always tell where you guys are in a conference or be able to see you guys. You know, what kind of led into that? Let, let me let me take this and I'll let uh, I'll let Alexis fill in afterwards. Um, but, uh, you know, when when our founder, Tom Neider and I who have been friends for 20 years, when we when we linked up, like Alexis was saying a few years ago, you know, we we talked for months before we actually kind of locked arms about this opportunity. And we both aligned that we if we're going to do something, we're going to do something great. And I said, you know, we need a vision, we need to be able to paint a vision for our company and our team, you know, that that is reasonable given where we are today. Even though Tom and I were dreaming of something much bigger, right, down the road and build a legacy, we had to start with something that was digestible for the team that we had so they didn't think that it was uh, snake oil, right? So <clears throat> I came up with it. I basically said, look, let's just focus on the mid-Atlantic region. At that point, we were primarily three or four counties in and around Baltimore, you know, touching on the upper portion of D.C., but not really in D.C., and that was where the concentration of our work was. So I figured if we said mid-Atlantic, it was big enough, gray enough, it wasn't too daunting for, you know, our team to think about and digest. Um, you know, when we talk about being number one in the mid-Atlantic region, we're not focused on revenue. We're focused on the quality of workmanship and customer service, and we believe and always will that we take care of those two things. The top line will take care of itself. And then very quickly after Tom said, okay, I'm cool with that. Let's, that's, you know, worthy, noble. It's a, it's a stretch. It's going to take us a while to get there. So that's a good vision to start with. You, know, you always want to make sure of that. He then challenged me and said, but we're never going to get there unless we build a company that everybody wants to work for. So the vision's nice. I'm aligned with you on that, he said. But he said, what I really know that we need to do is build a company that everybody wants to work for. And I was like, that was pretty insightful. You know, and I'm like, you're 100% right. That doesn't happen without this. And, uh, and then once Alexis picked up on that, she came to me and said, I want to own that for the company. I said, do you? She said, yeah, I want to own that. I, I have a vision. I know how important that is. And I told her, I said, well, why don't you go put all that down on paper? Cause I can't see inside your head. And why don't you come back with a job description that we can talk through. And when she came back with that job description, I read it and I'm like, wow, I was blown away. And I said, you're hired. And that's how we got started. But I'll let, I'll let Alexis kind of fill in as well. Yeah, it was, um, I, I think it was really cool because we got a chance to be inspired by a mission, a vision, 
of what we were trying to accomplish. And I think that we we lacked that before this interaction, this conversation. And I think that when you see something that you really wanna get behind, like a, a concept, a dream, a desire, and you see something you really wanna get behind, it's easy to start then imagining what, what does it look like? Well, what, what does a company that's, you know, that big look like? Um, and so I've always kind of had a knack, uh, um, a God-given talent for, for design and seeing and seeing the vision of things, I'm very grateful for that. So when we sat down, Andy had made a com may had made a comment one day about something, something, something brand ambassador. I was like, well, what is a what's a brand ambassador? I want to know more about that. And so I started doing some research and, and things like that. And I looked into this somebody who can oversee the events, the marketing, the branding, the company culture, and and I was like, that's what I want to do. I feel so passionately about that. And so I did, I came to him after working one night on the description and I said, here it is, this is what I want to do. And he said, he, it was like, it was like the, the leash was let off and I was able to just go um, and just start it one thing at a time, just chopping away at one thing at a time. The thing is, is that you try to overhaul something so abruptly and aggressively and change dynamic, it scares people. There's, there's nothing, you know, change is scary for a lot of people. So what I had to do is I had to be strategic about how I introduced new things into our culture because every company has a culture, but not every culture is good. So we had a current culture that we needed to, I needed to slowly introduce into. And once it got, once, you know, it's like a snowball rolling down the hill. Once it picked up, it was faster and faster and faster. And now that's kind of where the place where we're at now, where it's like, what can we do next? What, what, what investments can we make? What event or party can we throw that we can, we can create a, this as a place that everybody wants to work at. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been a wild ride. <laughs> no, that's, that's fantastic because culture is something that's talked about a lot, you know, especially in restoration, you know, everyone talks about, Oh, we have great team culture. You can get on and see job postings, great team. culture. Well, what does it actually mean? Are people actually putting team culture as a high value you know, thing for their business, or is it just something they talk about? And, you know, one thing you've kind of mentioned is bringing that in. And now your guys are saying, what can we do next? What kind of impact has that had on your team morale now that you have this culture that everyone wants to be a part of? So we were uh, thinking a little bit about what it was like when we first started, because, you know, we, we really think it's important to constantly turn back and look from where we've come from and sit in that gratitude, because this is, this is something special and everything that we have here at Thomasville, the people that we have, it's something special. So we, we like to turn back and we were reminiscing um, yesterday, Andy and I, and we were talking about what it felt like then versus what it feels like now. And it is the coolest thing to see our team members sharing our posts without being prompted and celebrating our accomplishments and our wins. We just, found out um, a couple months ago that we hit top performer for contractor connection for the third year in a row. And our team was so ecstatic. And sometimes if you don't, if you don't have that perspective of taking a look back and seeing where you've come from and how hard you've worked to get to those places, you don't value those moments as much. And so, you know, I was, I was trying to think about this from the perspective of, of somebody who wants to introduce culture and you're right. Culture is this scary, elusive thing that people don't understand. And the thing is, and, the, and I, the the generations that are coming in, you know, I, 
our, you know, obviously I read why workers quit. So, you know, there's a big, you know, there's a big portion of the generations coming in are demanding a good company culture more and more and more. And so getting with the times and being willing to do those hard things, which the hard things are writing the checks, making the investments, you know, maybe making certain team events mandatory so you can create those atmospheres of relaxed conversation. But that means so sometimes those things are scary and that that investment is scary. But um, I, I really feel like as as we started to see it work and we put our ear to the ground and listened to our team and knew what they wanted, we were able to create this elusive, fearful, scary thing called culture. And we sometimes you don't even realize you have it. But as Andy says, you don't realize what you have till it's gone. So it's about constantly maintaining and loving on your team and making sure your team's happy because it could it could be gone if you don't focus on it. Yeah. And I want to add on that, Paul. Um, you know, I give a lot of credit to Alexis for, for the strong culture that we built and the level of excitement and stuff, you know. But she is very intentional about creating the culture that the leaders that we selected, um, Tom and I, so our last offsite was Friday. Uh, I asked folks that were here during our very first quarterly offsite that we held when we kind of reinvigorated the brand. Tom and I partnered up and we said, hey, we're take this thing to the next level. And I believe that was in July of 2020. And so on this past Friday, I asked people to stand up if they were here for that. And I think it was like five people stood up and we have 110 teammates today. So, and everybody was there. Um, you know, so Tom and I also knew that in order to climb Restoration Mountain, that we were going to have to go out and get a really talented leadership team first. And Tom and I spent probably about 40% of our time in the first 18 months not running the business, but literally recruiting, interviewing. And what we were looking for is not the competency, because I can tell from the resume, you know, these people have been in the industry for a long time. So you can see the competency is there, but do you share this true deep passion that we do for what we are doing, which is helping families put their homes and lives back together? Is that real or is it just a job to you? And then, you know, are, are you committed uh, to to operational excellence. Like, do you aspire to be great? Do you aspire to try to see how high is high? Do you share that? Because Tom and I, we don't sleep, right? So we, but our expectations of everybody around us are not what the expectations of ourselves are. But we have to at least find people that have those same characteristics and same desires to be great because ultimately it's going to come down to the leadership that the organization is going to look to, not just Tom and I. Right. As the founder and CEO, they're going to look to that next layer of leadership for like, OK, this shiny picture that you're talking about as far as culture is a real. Right. So if the words don't meet or are congruent to the actions, what they're seeing, then it, it all falls apart. So we spent a lot of time and, and we talk about being intentional with the culture that we built. Alexis does an amazing job of that. But Tom and I were very intentional in terms of the leaders that we selected to bring into that leadership team that we knew uh, was going to be required. And, you know, Alexis on the intentional side, you know, she goes out and as she was building her repertoire of different rhythms in the company, quarterly offsite, Christmas parties, family picnics, team building events, uh, 
deep sea fishing, you know, rock fishing. I, I could go on and on, you know, about the different things. She actually is soliciting those ideas from the company. She will send out emails to the company surveys and says, hey, guys, for team building events, what kind of things can we dream of? And then, you know, you always got to prioritize and, um, you know, those things because you can't afford to do all those things, you know, but, but at least you kind of hear from everybody what's on their minds. And I think that's one thing that she does an amazing job of. And then the company, then these people see you like, hey, that was my idea. And they invested behind it. And then it just, you know, they feel like they're driving the company. You know what I mean? And I'm, Les, I want to give you an opportunity to expound on that. Yeah. So I was thinking because, you know, I know that we're trying to target this towards uh, other members of the restoration industry. So the biggest thing that I felt like was the most effective at the time was I got in the truck with guys. I would go, I would get in the truck with our mitigation crews and I would sit in that truck all day long and I would hang out with them. I wasn't much help, but I would buy them lunch um, and I would just talk to them. I would get to know them personally. And every single time I would do it with our estimators, our project concierge, which are our project managers, and I would do it with our mitigation guys and our contents team. And what came from those, every single time I came home from one of those ride-alongs, I had a new idea. Our Thomasville soccer team came, that idea came from a ride-along with the project concierge. Um, our oh, Autobahn we just did recently came from a ride-along with a mitigation, a mitigation crew member. I mean, so when you just sit there and just listen and just talk to them, I mean, it was, it was so incredibly helpful. Just being in the truck with them, riding around all day long, clearing my schedule and being intentional about spending my time because it's easy to send out surveys because that's where we're at at this point. But, but it was a hard, it was a hard sacrifice to go and spend my time with that, with the team. And they, and they understood that and they respected that and they loved the opportunity to have an ear to listen for what they wanted in their workplace environment. Absolutely. And what, you know, one thing you just mentioned is, you know, sacrificing that time, taking that effort, you know, really going out and about like, what has your return and investments been for you just in your employee morale? Cause one thing you guys said is everybody has a culture, whether or not, you know, it's good or bad. So like, what is that return and investment you guys are seeing for taking that time and effort and, you know, investment into your team culture? That's all you, you Andy. Yeah. <laughs> you wanted to start. Uh, I know you have uh, a great perspective on this as well, but uh, given my background in finance, I think that was right down the sweet spot for me. So, um, you know, I think it's, it's interesting, you know, when you think about the return on investment, um, when you're making investments in the brand or culture which we believe are inseparable by the way uh, one one feeds the other um you know it's you can measure it in the engagement right i can't fit that into an excel spreadsheet and that's tough for me because i am a finance guy by trade right and and i need to be able to put things in excel and i need to be able to see one plus one equals two and if it doesn't like i'm ripping it down and i'm like until it works Right. Then I, then my, my world's right. And when you invest in culture and, and you, I would suggest, and even on the brand side, it sometimes doesn't always equal one plus one equals two, but you can see it in the level of excitement that people have about working at your company. You can see it in the engagement that the team has with each other. You can see it when people are coming to you with, Hey, I know you wanted me to do X. 
I did that and I took it to see, what do you think? And I'm like, bravo. You know what I mean? When you see people going the extra mile, not just treating it as a job, like they, they, they have a sense of, of pride and ownership. I mean, that that's a return, right? You can't fit that into an Excel spreadsheet, right? And what I told Alexis is, is like, you know, for all of the doubters out there, the way to figure out whether you're getting the return is stop doing all that. Pull out all the investment in the brand and the culture and just see what happens for a little while. Just try it. Because you, you'll absolutely be able to measure it then. Because you'll be able to see how your company was performing before. And you'll be able to see how your company was is performing after. And I don't think you're going to like the results. So who wants to run that science experiment? Exactly. And, you know, one, one key thing I've seen, and you guys mentioned our book, Why Workers Quit. And another key one is, you know, our latest state of the industry is, you know, hiring is a big issue nowadays, finding good quality candidates. Well, with your guys's, you know, community and the way you've built up your business and your, uh, the way you've intertwined Thomasville with your employees, how does that impact your employee referral? You know, everyone wants to work with friends, especially friends that actually enjoy where they work. Are you, how are you guys seeing that in turn of, in terms of uh, referrals? So, yeah, so we recently did some research and discovered that we were at an 80% referral rate. So that means 80% of our teammates came from referrals. So we have seen that that has been really successful. And the thing is, when you're looking, when you're looking at two, at, at wanting to join a restoration company and you're looking at two of the comparative um, payment, payment structures and two comparative you know, travel distances and things like that. What additional is there to compare? Well, you're going to compare company culture. You're going to compare mm-hmm. growth opportunity. You know what the brand looks like. How how the team feels about where they're currently working. And you know, we've one of the biggest things that we've done in the past two years is introduce Thomasville University, and we do not just professional development but personal development. So we give our team an opportunity to learn about the five love languages and psychology 101 and accounting and you know business practices things that they can learn about for themselves that help grow them because we're not just developing good restorers we're developing we're hoping to help develop good people and we want people to buy into that concept so if you're in that comparison aspect you know we want to be a place that everybody wants to work for and when you have people who are happy where they're working, they're going to shout Thomasville's names from the mountaintops. And so, and that's what we've seen. I mean, that's, that's the clear, you know, the clear steps that we've, that we've seen that people have been taking, that they're constantly telling their friends about it. And it was funny. I was talking to a, a friend of mine at, um, at one of the offsites, a team member friend of mine. And she was like, I tell everybody about Thomasville, even if I don't think they want to work here, I want everybody to know because the really sad fact of the matter, and especially with this generation, my generation of millennials, is that majority of people don't like where they work. And that breaks my heart. I hate I hate that because I don't know what that feels like. And I'm grateful that I haven't, I mean, the previous companies, you know, I've had some of, you know, not the greatest, but when you come alive in a culture like this where everybody's just so bought in, um, you know, that's what we want to spend as much time as focusing on. Because the thing is, is everybody knows a good person and you want to good person to be the person who wants to come and work yeah. for your team mm-hmm. and having that ability to train like top using Thomasville university. And then we can get people, you know, we can get people ramped up a lot 
quicker than we could five years ago and things like that. And, you know, we're, we're always growing and building, but yeah, it's been, it's been very, very successful. Yeah, Paul, um, I think the other thing that Alexis has done a really great job of and uh, is, is providing a window into all of those things. And the window I'm referring to is through social media, right? So I think about, you know, when my family sees the things on social media, they're consuming that content that Alexis creates so beautifully, and they see what we're doing as a, as a company, like, it's really cool. It's not why we do it, but it is cool when my cousins or my uncles or my friends call us, hey, I saw that video of your Christmas party. That thing was off the hook. You guys are like killing it, having a good time. You're like, I can feel the energy radiating from your company through social media, right? And then so, and I think about somebody that's, you know, on the front lines, right? Not, not you know, up in the castle. And they're getting that same feedback, right, from their friends and family, right? When they are in the video at a family picnic, right, on a beautiful setting, and they see everybody playing games and having fun and cooking on the grill and just, you know, um, and you and you got to be intentional about having a videographer there. You got to have intentional, uh, got to be intentional about having a photographer there, right? Because at the end of the day, we want to capture some of those moments right because when we're climbing restoration mountain we want to be able to look back over the years and see all those key moments of the brand all those little bricks that were put in place you know that built the fabric of of thomasville and then on top of that we also want to be able to tell our story and i think um, one of the things that i absolutely bring with me from my past experience is about telling the story right build a great team build a great product or service and tell a great story. Those are the three key ingredients to building any great company, right? And um, and I think so telling story is often overlooked. And a lot of times smaller companies are like, well, I can't afford to do that. And why are we doing that? It's easy to look down on it and say, we either can't afford it or it doesn't make sense. What's that going to do for us? But if you, are, if you want to build that culture and you want to provide that window, then be intentional about those details as well. No, that's fantastic because I, you know, I've worked at a couple companies where it was not the best culture, and it is very easy to say, okay, I need to find an exit strategy, or there's no way I'm going to be able to make it a year here. So, no, that's fantastic. So, kind of ju- jumping into our last little segment here, you know, if we have a smaller restoration company or someone who's looking to reinvest in their culture that's listening to this, what are one or two maybe first initial steps or things to look at to maybe help? change that culture or kind of where do they start? Where's the good application to get going? So the first thing for me, like I said, is knowing what your mission is. What is your mission? What are you trying to accomplish with your company? Knowing what your mission is and your vision and what, where you're trying to get. Um, the values come into play, obviously, knowing what is going to be the most important to your core of who your company is. Ours is family first, compassion and communication in that order. So we, which was actually kind of funny, we we asked our team at one of our offsite meetings, we sat down and had everyone pick three. We put them all up on the board and we, I mean, we wrestled with them, our whole company. Our whole company was included in making that stake in Thomasville having those as our three values. Um, so knowing what you what it is that you want to accomplish with your company outside of 
you know, the actual restoration aspect. Like ours is helping families put their homes and lives back together. And our vision is to be the number one restoration company in the Mid-Atlantic. And every single one of our teammates can repeat that if you stepped in front of them and asked them because we're constantly driving it. It's exactly who we are and what we're trying to do. We push it all the time because we need everyone to keep in mind why they're doing it. So when they have those hard days at, at work and their dad, when we had a seven story water, four story water loss on Christmas Eve at nine o'clock. So our team members were working all, all, all night long when they could have been home with their families, but they were helping put those families homes and lives back together and they wanted to be number one. So they worked harder and faster and stronger than than the, than the guys next to them. So knowing what that mission is and then once you have a clear idea of what you're trying to accomplish, what your mission is, what your vision is and what your values are, and you have aligned and decided that the brand that you currently have is the brand that you want to run with. Now we made some adjustments. We, our logos were maroon and the text was gray. I, I tweaked it a little bit, but I, we never lost the integrity of our brand. I, I wanted to have some little bit crisper, cleaner, more modern colors and things like that. And then you just, it's one thing at a time. Start with your marketing material. Start with your letterhead. Start with your, if you want to start to make those investments, start with your vehicles. Now our letter, our trucks were lettered before we decided to wrap one vehicle. We did one and we were like, this is cool. Let's do them all. So <laughs> we, you know, we made an investment and Andy didn't want to at first because <laughs> it was going to be over the, uh, right. I'm, it was going to be over I'm the course of three years. I'll tell you that. It, I <laughs> 67 mobile billboards running around the mid-Atlantic region, all the different, uh, you know, people that have seen our vehicles and the feedback that we've gotten. It's, it's like buying you guys have the best looking vehicles on the roads. So people are seeing us all the time. It's a little bit more money. And at first I was just like, oh, we need to do that. And then once we did a few of them at first, so I told my partner, Tony, our founder, I said, look, we'll do a few. And then as we buy new vehicles, we'll wrap those, but we're not going back and wrapping, you know, 40 other ones at the time, however many we had. And, um, and then, but the feedback was so tremendous and Tom was like, we won't do, we'll keep doing it over five years. You think you want to wrap the whole fleet? I'm like, I want to wrap the whole fleet, <laughs> you know? And so that was a significant investment because, you know, that costs, you know, anywhere from two to three grand per vehicle to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would tell you that the return on that investment has been nothing short of, of amazing. Um, you know, so again, I'm a finance guy. I'm looking to try to put that in, in Excel and it's like, it's not computing. Like it's not showing me any expected value. I can't right. measure that. But what I can tell you is the response. I can tell you how our team feels. I can tell you the feedback that we've gotten from customers, from property managers, from, you know, people that open doors and take help Thomasville take it to the next level. They see that we're invested. They see that we're serious. They see how tight we're showing up. So they, they can smell it. So like when people smell that there's a team or an individual, right? Um, or a company or a brand that really is trying to take things to the next level and see how high it's high. It's amazing outpouring of support that you'll get from places you weren't even expecting. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I have four, actually, I just thought about two other ones. So, Mission, vision, values, define your brand. And defining your brand is getting it on paper. Know your colors, know your fonts, know your logos, know your icons, and have it in one place so you're consistent across every single thing that you do. So that's really important. The next thing that I would say is find your cheerleader. Every company's got a cheerleader. That cheerleader could be the person who 
you know, always brings donuts in or somebody who always makes sure that all of the paperwork, I mean, all the paperware um, in the office is restocked. Um, somebody who is the person who always puts like, you know, cards and balloons on somebody's birthday. Find your cheerleader and then talk to them. Talk to them about what kind of things that they would love to see happen in your environment. If that is, it could just be a lunch, just having a lunch or a dinner or, you know, going bowling. There's some very inexpensive team building things that you can do that don't cost the investment. They cost time. You've got to be willing to put in the time and leverage the use of that. I was I was head of coordination prior to stepping into head of branding culture, and I would still do some of those things, plan monthly birthday lunches and, you know, having those opportunities and those opportunities to recognize your team, but for your team to recognize each other as well and create that relationship outside. Um, and then talk to your team. I think that the best way to talk to your team is going to be one on one conversations. If you start a town hall and you don't know how that conversation is going to shift, it, it might not be as productive as you would hope. So having those sit down conversations, start with your leadership and then work your way. And but it needs to be from all levels. You have to know what all levels are feeling, not just leadership. You've got to have that level of visibility. So uh, mission, vision, values, identify your brand, find your cheerleader and talk to your team. Those are really the four things that I would recommend. And all of that is a lot of time investment, very, very little financial investment. When you're ready to make those financial investments, make them and do it quickly and without hesitation because they're going to pay off. Guys, this is absolutely fantastic. While we wrap up here, let everyone know where they can find you, where they can find you on social media, where they can take a look at this amazing brand and culture you have. Where can they find you? Yes, yes, yes. So you can find us at Thomasville Restoration on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. And you can find us on the web at www.tvr247.com. Perfect. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. Can't wait to see what's uh, coming next from you guys. There you have it. Thanks again to Andy and Alexis from Thomasville for sharing those incredible insights with our listeners. As you heard, you can check them out at tvr247.com. This is the first ever episode of the Restoration Playbook podcast. So if you like it, please share it with your friends and give it a good rating wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can get free access to my comprehensive day one water mitigation checklist for free by heading to trynowhow.com slash podcast one. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you guys again soon.